and welcome to Horror Court Trash Ever, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And we're here for a pre-Halloween spooky original versus remake. Okay. Are they always spooky? I'm trying to be. It tends to be horror, doesn't it? I think horror gets more remakes than like cult films. Yeah. Or it, it is trashy uh, films. the first word in our title. I know. No, I do understand that, but... <laughs> I'm just thinking out loud. And yeah. I just think the majority of the original versus remakes that we've done... A horror? A horror. Yeah. Until we do Valley Girl, I think. Jesus Christ. Anyway, <laughs> um, today we are here to talk to you about the greatest hoax of all time. <laughs> yeah. Told through two films. Uh, we are, of course, here to talk about... Don't sue us. The Amateurville Horror. So, to give you a rundown, you'll hear this a lot, lot later on, but just in case you're not familiar with the story, um, I'll give you the facts first. So, the story is largely fictional, contrary to George Lutz's claims. Uh, but the factual elements uh, of the story are that Ronald DeFeo murdered six members of his family on November 13th, 1974. Well, that we know to be true. And was convicted of six accounts of second-degree murder on November 21st, 1975. On December 4th, 1975, DeFeo was sentenced to six concurrent 25-to-life sentences. The Lutz family moved into 112 Ocean Avenue on December 19th, 1975 and moved out on January 14th, 1976. The way the DeFeo families were murdered, they were all lying down face first. Uh, somehow the gunshots from some family members didn't wake up others. And I know what you're thinking. That's, uh, that's fucking weird. That's, that make for a good premise of a film. Uh, and if you want to see that film, watch Hamilton 2. The first, the, the original and the remake, um, focus instead on the Lutz family. Yes. <laughs> the, the... Truth telling Lutz family. So the second film I haven't I haven't watched. The second film's great. Unfortunately, the only other Amityville film I've watched is the Jennifer Jason Lee one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for this podcast that Gary suggested. Um Well, actually the Blumhouse was a request episode. There we so... go. But um so the second film is isn't about a haunted house necessarily. It is. It is. It is. But it's the run-up to uh, Ronnie DeFeo murdering his family. So it's and slightly after. Oh, okay. So is it saying that the DeFeo family were haunted as well? Yeah. yeah. So the idea that um, DeFeo, Ronald DeFeo... Yeah, so he said... That went the... through the same thing yeah. that George Lutz did. So another fact is the fact that he said, and that obviously you know, nothing to prove that this happened, but he said voices told him to do it. Mm. That they told him to kill his family, and the sequel delves into this, and it, it's a very scary film. It, from what I can remember, it's it is great. It's a really good sequel. Okay. Um, upon watching the original again, I'd say it's probably better than the original. Upon watching the remake again, I'll get to why I enjoy the remake so much. As much as I enjoy it, I'd still say Amityville Two is probably the best of the franchise. Okay. Um, but yeah. We're here to talk about the films today. Yes. Um, well, we are going to talk a bit more about the real life. In there. It's interesting. It's interesting. But first of all, poll results. 54% of you voted for the original to win. 46 voted the remake. It's very close. Very and I, close. you know, what? I completely get why. I mean, 
yeah. My opinion has differed over the years as to which one I've preferred. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very, very close. I can see why the poll went that way. Yeah. Because I agree with the poll. Yeah. Um, so, the real life instance opinion. Obviously, I mean, I'm sure we both share the opinion yeah. that the Lutz family are full of shit. So we watched two documentaries. We have. We have watched two um, documentaries. The Real Amateurville Horror and My Amateurville Horror. So The Real Amateurville Horror was a basic... It's basically paid by numbers. You, you get to know everything you need to know. That, yeah, that's it's it. just There's, a run through, you know, essentially. Yeah. Um, My Amateurville Horror... <laughs> Bizarre series of events. Um, is Billy Lutz, who... Not Billy Lutz, is his name in the remake. Daniel Lutz, who uh, was the oldest child of the Lutz family. Yeah. I, fucking... He has lost it. He he has lost it. He, um, he spends the whole documentary just fucking yelling at the interviewers and interrupting them. Um, I mean, obviously, like, Chris on his podcast. Mm. Um... <laughs> And then the end of the documentary, he's the interviewing the guy who's interviewing him asks him to do a lie detector test, and he's like, "You fucking piece of shit! How dare you?" He's fuming, like he's he literally no exaggeration says to him, "We're gonna have words after this. Stop filming." I'm like, "Okay, why are you telling the truth? Why are you refusing to do a lie detector test and threatening the people interviewing you?" It's it's a very strange thing where he. The documentary is him trying to get over what he perceived happened to him in his youth. By all accounts, George and Kathy Lutz didn't have the best relationship before all of this. So I believe that the kids did suffer from a dysfunctional household. I do believe that. This documentary is him trying to get over it by constantly talking about yeah. it and constantly referring to himself as the Amityville kid, mm. even though he, you know, is unrecognisable by this point because yeah. so much time has passed. Um, Lutz was never his original surname anyway, mm. so he could have just reverted back to his fa- his actual yeah. father's surname no one needed to know any of Mm -hmm. this but he's the one that keeps bringing it up yeah so for me it felt like and i'm assuming he got paid for the documentary i don't know but i'm assuming it's a bit of a cash-in with the story he's putting out there being that he's trying to get over this trauma from when he was younger Mm. obviously making it juicier with the paranormal aspects yeah which really are difficult to believe. Yeah. Because both documentaries touch on the fact that the people who lived in that house afterwards, and I believe it's still there. It's to still this there day, now. It's still there now. Every family who lived in that house afterwards, after the DeFeos and the Lutz family, have said that fuck all has gone on. Yeah. Absolutely fuck all. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing of note. Yeah. Absolutely. My, my opinion of, of what went down is... The fact that, obviously, the DeFeos, Ronnie DeFeo was a psychopath. Yeah. He murdered his family. Yeah. Around the time, if quote me if I'm wrong, around the time of the Manson murders. 
Yeah. So yeah. you know, it's summer of Sam. He yeah, he, he looked well. uh, he had a big bushy beard. Um he makes an appearance in the documentaries, doesn't look too different to uh Charles Manson. Um and also <laughs> He also requested a cut from the fucking film and the book. He wanted to be paid for murdering yeah. his family. The guy is fucking insane. And yeah, he murdered his family. This other family moved in. Like, oh shit, some shit's gone down here. How are we going to cash in on this? The Exorcist was bigger a few years ago. We'll say a priest came here and had some stuff happen to him. We'll say uh, someone got possessed. It's bullshit. It's clearly all bullshit. There's some. There's actually some people in the trivia that have come forward and said, yeah, we. it was a big hoax. Yeah, it it's it doesn't sound right. And George Lutz, what a piece of shit. It does sound like the family saw an opportunity for a cash in. Really, yeah. on the story, yeah. you had uh, Ronnie DeFeo Jr. saying, "All oh, the voices told me to do it." I think that's bullshit. And I don't know this for a fact. This is just throwing our opinions out there. You know, he said the voices told me to do it because that was kind of in the news, you know, a lot of these killers, serial killers. And there seemed to be a lot of them in, in the 70s. Mm -hmm. or they're the ones that have stuck. Said all the voices told me to do it. Summer of Sam, killer. He said that the neighbor's dog told him to do yeah. it. You know, all that stuff. So I think that he killed his family pleaded insanity because you know it was easy to do it and just say the voices told me to do it i'm mm. insane this that and the other the lutzes came along saw an opportunity for not only a cheap house but a cheap cash in on it you know we're mm -hmm. haunted this that and the other and it stuck yeah you know with the book with the film with everything afterwards it stuck yeah the only so they've had to so someone like his name Daniel yeah Daniel has had to live with this lie for the whole of his life mm. yeah because it's actually even though he's trying to get away from it all it is actually also bringing him some money you know yeah. I'm assuming he got paid I admire the other two kids who are just completely kept out of it who are just like no fuck this we're not having nothing to do with it. Yeah, I, I suppose so. I'm a bit like, you know, it, it's a weird one because, like, who who are you hurting? If people want to believe in this, yeah, stuff, yeah, it it is a bit like who are you you hurting? If you if you want to make this up, mm. this haunting and so, I'm, I'm assuming you know no one's been hurt by it all, and it's brought them attention. Mm. It's an intriguing story for people who are intrigued by these things. You know, it's a bit like um, Ghost Watch. Yeah. You know, it's um, like live action theatre mm. <laughs> to a certain degree, yeah. you know, because it's like, well, who are you hurting? Just, you know, it gets, you get to the point where you're like, okay, sorry, guys, it's all a lie. Okay, can I carry on with my life now? Thank yeah. <laughs> the only two genuinely creepy things I find from the story is... The way he murdered his family. Like, the fact that... Oh, of course. They and all was... They were all lying face down. And they were all shot, but it never woke any of them up. There are inconsistencies that is in fucking that. creepy. Yeah. And the fact that professionals have come forward and said, yeah, no, this is actually what's happened. 
that is weird and mm. that is something that i can't explain yeah that that is is creepy and and also you know they are cashing in on murder so i do understand mm. that so it is you know yeah. it's not a hundred percent above board the, the second thing i find genuinely creepy is uh a clear fake is when ed and lorraine warren went in to do their uh demonology stuff or, or whatever they do um and the picture was taken and there's this small little dead child in the picture and it's obviously so fucking fake but this is when youtube first came about that the documentary had aired and this made its way onto youtube and oh my god scared the shit out of me when i first seen it that is it's a genuinely creepy picture yeah you this is this isn't necessarily where we differ um but you really enjoy those kind of things, don't you? <laughs> those YouTube videos. Oh, look at this scary so ghost do you. child. Yeah, but you kind of play into it a little more. I don't I... think you believe it, but you do sort of get more involved, more interested in it than I, maybe I do. I'll, I'll give a, a brief history now then. Now, now that you mentioned now, I was going to say before we got to the remake, but I This have... is also, and sorry to interrupt, but this is... <laughs> Okay, me. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> How professional I am. I know you're uh, not like Daniel Lutz, are you? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to interrupt, Gary. Um, but this is why you're more interested in found footage than maybe I am. Because yeah. there's a connection yeah, there. There is. there is a connection. Whereas I just, I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, fucking found footage films. You do enjoy that. So yeah. You do enjoy these well, YouTube. I have Binges. nostalgia. I have nostalgia for this franchise, mm. and when I say franchise, I mean one, two, and remake. Um, I've only watched three D and the Evil Lamp one uh, once. <laughs> um, but yeah, I have nostalgia because the the remake was the first one I saw, and to give a brief history, I, I won't go into the full details. When I first moved into uh, my second house when I was thirteen, my parents had been to see this at the cinema. Um, they came back and for some reason my mum fucking told me everything that happened in the film like completely ruined it for me but at, at that time oh fucking hell this sounds like the best fucking film ever this this sounds amazing uh, and that same night she swears that she saw a man's face in our uh, garage mm -hmm. and literally it just hearing about what happened in the film and then having that happen 13 at the time don't judge me too much I couldn't sleep. I, I was I was terrified. And then when it came out on DVD, I was like, okay, I have to see this. And I loved it. And I think that's why I still enjoy it so much now. Um, it's because a lot of things in the remake are probably generic by today's standards. But for me, it's still quite a creepy film because I have that nostalgia there attached to it. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think it's a, a great remake. And I watched the original as well shortly after, which also creeped me out as well. Um, but yeah. Yeah, it's a weird, a weird one. Again, we differ slightly in this because you actually get scared by horror films, mm. and that's not me. Select you know, films. I'm not trying to be mask for mask here, um, <laughs> but you actually get scared by horror films, whereas I, I never really have. I've sort of valued the campness yeah. of them a little more, um, or I find them the better ones thrilling rather than scary mm -hmm. um whereas you tend to find them scary yeah and i think that's why i i mean i didn't i wasn't watching horror films from a very early age whereas you kind of 
started watching them earlier than I did. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that's that's why. Maybe yeah, I think with with paranormal films as well, it's it's one of those that no matter what your beliefs are in it, you can still enjoy a paranormal horror film because there's so many things you can do to scare people with these sort of films. Um, and then. Well, I mean, is it not just the same shit over and speaking, over? Speaking, speaking from speaking on behalf of the people who do get scared of Ooh, uh, there's some a knock. Oh, there's a no- Oh, something moved. Oh, there's a ghost child. Isn't that well, about it? Okay, really? well, fuck my point. Let's uh, get on with the films. <laughs> Sorry. Starting with the Amityville Horror, released in 1979, directed by Stuart Rosenberg. Uh, actually, before I go any further, we can't give an introduction to this episode without saying. I know the instruction's gone on for a while, but we can't give it without saying this franchise is still going. Not officially. No. Uh, Officially, there's been about, what, seven or eight sequels uh, and a remake. Unofficially, this franchise has gone on for fucking years. It's still going on now. Recently, I think it was last year, we had about six of them in one year. We're at the point now where we literally have Amateurville Karen, Amateurville Vibrator, Amateurville in Space, Amateurville in the Hood. Like, it really has jumped the shark so much. It's, I'm assuming it's because Amateurville is a place. Yeah. And therefore, they can't, they copyright. can't yeah. copyright the name Amateurville. Mm-hmm. So. Any film can throw the word Amityville in there and it have a connection to the original series of films. Yeah. Um, which, yeah. And you can't... Wasn't, wasn't Jaws in Amityville? Amityville Jaws. Was it? Am I being stupid? Oh, Amity. Amity. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, That's also in New York, isn't it? Long Island, yeah. Long Island, yeah. Oh, okay. But I think there was actually an Amityville shark film. There has to have Probably. Been. Probably. Uh, yeah. Directed by Stuart Rosenberg, uh, who made Call Hand Luke, Question 7, The Defenders, My Heroes Have Always Been Cowboys, The Pope of Greenwich Village, uh, The Voyage of the Damned, Love and Bullets, The Drowning Pool, etc, etc. So this is his only horror film. There was a weird time, wasn't there? Late 70s and early 80s, where... Um, a lot of directors of very manly films mm-hmm. did um, horror films. Yeah. I'm thinking, is it John Huston that did Happy Birthday to Me? I think so, yeah. It was, oh, I should do more research. Sorry, guys. Um, but <laughs> yeah, there's, they, I swear there's a few directors where like, they made a slasher film. Mm. They, I'm assuming it's the tail end of their career. Yeah. They were the kind of films that were making money. Um, so they'd signed on and, and did that. I swear John Houston did Happy Birthday mm-hmm. to me and, and others. It's impressive, especially with this case, because... You know, it's not a five-star Stone Cold classic. Well, I mean, I would say it's a horror classic, regardless of our thoughts on, you know, on it or not. I think, in general, it is a staple in the genre. It's a horror classic. Everyone knows the Amateurville horror. Um, and directing-wise, he does a good job. He it, it is a creepy film at times. It, you know, it's directed like someone who has directed a horror film before. 
which is really impressive considering he, he never made another one. Yeah, it's one of those films that in 1979 probably blew the roof off the joint. Yeah. It, pro, it you know, groundbreaking, never seen before, or it, it took something and did it completely new. Well, people were still high off The Exorcist and needed something similar. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but this is a haunted house thing, mm. you know, so it's, it looks at it slightly differently. Um, whereas by today's standards, it's kind of like, oh... Yeah. Is that is that it? You know, yeah. so I can respect it for what it did. My issues with the film aren't necessarily related to how original or unoriginal things yeah. are. Yeah. That's my issue with the remake. Um my issues are different and obviously yeah. we'll get into that. Written by Sander Stern, who may who wrote uh, Shark Kill, Fast Break, Killer on Board, Mysterious Island of Beautiful Women, Muggable Mary, Street Cop. Right, okay. John and Yoko, A Love Story. Yeah. Pin, uh, Amateur Horror, The Evil Escapes, that's the one with the evil lamp. Oh. Uh, and many more, based on the book by Jay Anson and based on the story uh, and credited by George and Kathy Lutz. Uh, in 1979, attorney William Weber, Ronald Defoe's uh, defence attorney, filed a lawsuit against George and Kathy Lutz, charging them with fraud and breach of contract. He alleged that they uh, that they were all in an agreement to collaborate with Weber on the book and the film. Uh, in an interview with the Associated Press, Weber admitted that he and the Lutzes had uh, concocted the horror story scam over many bottles of wine. So there we go. Yeah, sounds about uh, right. I believe him. I believe him. <laughs> Budget four point seven million dollars, and it made eighty six point four million dollars at the box office. There we go. A hit. I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Lutzes were fucking rolling in it. Uh, yeah, so it's time for our first feature presentation. Oh, mother of God, I'm coming apart! 19 days after the Lutz family moved into their dream house, they were running for their lives. What happened to them is an experience in terror you will never forget. And you will believe in the Amityville Horror. Rated R. Starts Friday. Everywhere. Yes. So uh, let's go through the original. In the early morning hours on November the 13th, 1974, Ronald DeFeo Jr. murders his entire family with a rifle at their home at 112 Ocean Avenue in Amityville, New York. One year later, George and Kathy Lutz, a young married couple, move into the property. George, played by James Brolin. He is, yeah. Um, father Josh. of Josh yeah. Brolin. Um, have you seen him in anything else? Yes. I have no idea what, but I have. I mean, who must have? He was a big name. He was, yeah. he was a big name. Um, maybe not in this household. <laughs> no, we've definitely <laughs> we definitely have. But the thing is, we wouldn't sit here and say, "Oh, let's watch a James Brolin film," <laughs> would we? Well, well, is he the one? Oh, he's the one married to Barbara Streisand. Yeah, yes. he's married to Barbara Streisand. He's so still, he he's still done... going, isn't he? Still yeah, alive. he was in. Was apparently he was in Lightyear. Right. Um. So that, there we oh, go. Oh, is he the voice of Zorg? He, yes, he was. He was. He was. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's married to Barbara Streisand. I knew who he is. Yeah. I know um, Barbara Streisand more, obviously. I mean, he's most well known for Traffic, Westworld, and Capricorn One. Right. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, cool. Kathy Lutz, played by no one of note. Oh, uh, yeah. Never heard of her. Um, obviously, I'm joking. It's Margot Kidder. Yeah. Queen. Absolute queen. Rest in peace. Love, love Margot Kidder. So, do you want some facts about them? I absolutely want some facts about well, them. Well, you'll have to wait, because I'm going to give you a fact about the house first. You bastard. For years, rumours have circulated that the film was to be filmed in the actual house in Amateurville, New York, but a production team was too frightened to film inside the house. For fuck's sake. The reality is the town of Amateurville denied American International <gasps> Pictures permission to film any scenes whatsoever in Amateurville, an attempt to distance themselves away from the publicity. So they found a Dutch colonial home in Tom's River, New Jersey, in which to film the exteriors. A third floor um, facade. Facade? Facade. <laughs> facade. I'm not even taking that out. Um, was added uh, along with the crescent moon windows on both sides of the house. Uh, almost all interior scenes were filmed at MGM Studios in Culver City, California. Uh, a few interior scenes were filmed inside the actual Tom's River house, including the scene where George returns to the boathouse from the boathouse in the middle of the night. In that scene, you can see there's no wallpaper and no door in the living room, whereas on the soundstage in the living room has wallpaper and a door near the bookshelf. So I don't believe the actual original house has those iconic windows on the front of it. No. No. Wow. Yeah. Are you sure? That's. I'm sure I read that. Yeah. Might be wrong, but I'm but sure. The documentary we watched, he was having a cigarette out front. Wasn't he? Yeah, it's probably outside the house where they made the film. You think? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, oh, I was about to say something then. I can't remember. <laughs> That's not very good for a podcast, is it? No, but I'll give you some uh, facts about James Brolin and Margot Kidder to uh, help you remember. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I'm oh, just, there we go. Was, it works I already. Gonna ask a question. I was going to ask a question. The, the town of Amityville, are they allowed to say they're not allowed to film in someone's private property? Absolutely. Like, if it's, it depends who it's owned by. So if if I, if we wanted... Oh, sorry. No, no, that's reminded me. The new owners, I believe they took out those windows. Oh. They took out those windows to avoid Oh, this, this intro's a mess. <laughs> what the fuck's wrong with us? It's not an intro talking about the film. Well, the, don't even know where we are. the intro to the film, I'm only one fucking sentence in. I've got loads of fucking notes here. Um, um, but yeah, no, I'm sure they probably can. It depends who owns it. I assume... But but if we wanted to film in this yeah. flat where we live, let's say we wanted a Salford love story <laughs> in this flat, could Salford Council turn around and say... Sorry, mate, not allowed. No, but our landlord can. Yeah, but that's different. That's different. Yeah. Well, let's face it. Whoever moved in after this probably didn't want it filming anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but both James Brolin and Margot Kidder went on record. <laughs> you know, if, if you don't know, you're allowed to know. just say I don't you know. don't know. I don't Thank know. you. Please uh, <laughs> let us know on social media what's going on here. Um, if you know about... <laughs> If you know about real estate. If you know um, what we're even talking about, that would be a fucking plus. Both James Brolin and Margot Kidder, despite uh, spending time with the Lutz family and getting close to them, went on record saying uh, they didn't believe the Amityville story either. Margot, Margot Kidder went on record with her friends uh, telling them that she hated the film. James Brolin uh, said he didn't get a job for two years after doing this film because of the cruelty of his character. However, he starred in Night of the Juggler, 1980, a year later, High Risk, 1981, the year after that, and two made-for-TV movies in 1982. 
So, mm. yeah, due to the cruelty of, do people realise what acting <laughs> is? Do people realise this? I think people struggle, and I think people still struggle to this day. <laughs> and you know, when you get these things that, oh my god, look at this transformation that this actor <laughs> made in this film. Like, oh my god, they look completely different. Like, yeah, that's acting. <laughs> that's what <laughs> acting is. That people. People don't just play themselves. No. Or I'd be an Oscar winner, you know? Yeah. Uh, Harrison Ford was in consideration for the role of George Lutz. That would have worked. I mean, just watch What Lies Beneath. Um, but as You keep mentioning What Lies Beneath. It, I've never seen it. It's a future podcast film. It has to be. Is it really? Yeah. Is it shit? Camp. It's camp. Is it camp? Yeah. Oh. Uh, Burt Reynolds, James Caan and Christopher Reeve were also considered for the role. All of them would have worked. Yeah. And Christopher Reed would have been good with the whole Superman mm. thing. Now you may continue. Oh. Well, are we not going to discuss what films Margot Kidd has been in? Well, Superman. If, if people don't Black know already know that, then they obviously haven't listened to our Black Christmas episode, That's which you should all true. go and listen to. <laughs> um, yeah, so they move into the property. We see some longer flashes of the murders as George Caffey... And the estate agent go round the house. Um, the estate agent says the house is a fixer-upper. It's going cheap, but uh, it's of course the scene of a murder. Being a white guy in a horror film, George doesn't seem phased by this fact. <laughs> yeah, this is a great example. A really great example of the whole uh, white people... Moving into a murder house type of film. Yeah, definitely. What's the opposite to yassifying? Um, nasifying. Nasifying. <laughs> well, do you think the estate agent is a nasified version of Dame Edna Everidge? I think she's a yassified version. Those no. glasses are something else. She's not even close. She's like a dowdy version of uh, Ed Dame Edna. Um, also, one thing I noticed... And this is a me thing. Were they lining or like wallpapering the shelves in the cupboards? I. It's something I've seen them do on the Golden Girls as well. And I don't know why it is. And I don't know what it is. I can honestly say I did not see that. I did. And it confused me greatly. She's like ripping off these, these like, like wrapping paper. <laughs> And putting it in the cupboard on the shelves. Okay. Why is that? I, I have no idea. If anybody knows, I'm assuming it's an American thing because I've never known anyone in the UK to Can do it. Can you tell we've never owned a house? <laughs> well, <laughs> we don't know about filming in properties, don't know about wallpaper in cupboards. We're not allowed to do this stuff whilst renting. Sorry. I'm surprised we're even allowed to comment on Amateurville Horror, seeing as uh, we've never owned. A property. Anyway, George appears not to be strong of faith, but Kathy is a Catholic in name at least. She has three children from her prior marriage, Greg, Matt and Amy. Father Delaney arrives <laughs> to quickly bless the home, but he encounters troubles in trying to do so, including a room full of flies out of season Violent stomach sickness and later blisters on his palm when trying to make a phone call to <laughs> Kathy at their home. 
The experience eventually stops when a door is opened and a voice demands Delaney to leave the property. He rushes out of the house but decides to continue uh, helping the Lutz family anyway, or at least trying to. <laughs> Father Delaney, the shit he has to go through in this film is unbelievable. It, it's a weird one. Played by uh, Rod Steiger, um, who probably most famous for his Oscar winning role in in the heat of the night um so good actor a yeah, really good actor he fucking he, just, he acts his heart out in he does film. he, he thinks really he's getting over oscar for it. for it and spoiler alert he mustn't have been available very long because he never actually <laughs> shares a single scene with josh brolin or margot kidder i would love to hear the uh, i'd love to hear not hear i'd love to see an edited down version of this film where it's just his scenes and every time he attempts to do something, can he gets another curse thing put on him. It's the uh, Kirby Enthusiasm music. Oh, off. God. <laughs> it, it, honestly, his scenes, uh, this this first scene of him with the flies and everything, um, it is campus tits. And mm. I never realised this film was so camp until this time watching it. Yeah. I, I mean, this is, this is up there. Well, I've got a few notes. <laughs> a fair few notes. Uh, the cheeky fucker just walks in without their knowledge. <laughs> They're outside playing in the lake and he literally just walks in. He sees them as well and he's just, yeah, going about his business yeah. undetected. Mm -hmm. um, the get out voice. <laughs> Do you think it was a bit camp? It was camp. <laughs> get, get out. Get, get out, babe. Get out right now. <laughs> Um, it kind of looks like he's having terrible Code Brown. Well, it's funny you say that because this was actually parodied in Scary Movie 2. Yeah. Um, joined onto the Exorcist part where the priest goes to uh, bless a room and it turns out he's on the toilet. Yeah, shit. no, absolutely. Oh. Is going that Leslie him. Nielsen? No, 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 no. Is he in later one? No, um, it was someone of note, though, who played him, I believe. Okay. Um, but yeah, it, it does... It, it looks like he's been caught short. Terrible Code Brown. Um, if no one knows what Code Brown means, it's it's diarrhea. They've listened to our... Po we're, we're how many episodes in now? Like 212? They know what it is. <laughs> um, one of the kids falls down the stairs to the basement. It's a great <laughs> hilarity. Um, Margot Kidder, unfortunately, is sporting pigtails. <laughs> which I'm not a fan of. They do not suit. I'm... Yeah. It's not great. James what? Woods, by the way. James Woods. He... Ooh, yeah. yeah. No. James Woods is not the one. Absolutely not the one. Um, She's got pigtails. What does suit her, though, is the scene where she has a bit side boob on the go. Oh, my God. This scene doing is... Doing ballet in fucking front ridiculous. of the mirror for absolutely <laughs> no reason whatsoever. Uh, yeah, and this this really gets uh, George going, um, <laughs> and he uh, they start having a bit of a makeout session. He tells her, "Oh, I feel like a kid in the backseat of a car." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the, this, the whole sex scene from the moment she's doing ballet up until the moment they get it on, it's so well. It's kind of fucking dramatic. Her, she's wearing some sort of uh, blouse or something, but it's open. Yeah, so we we get like. Two side boobs, essentially. And she's doing ballet in front of the mirror. And she's absolutely slaying. 
feeling her oats. She is. She's feeling her oats. George can't control himself. <laughs> Who could blame him? Um, and yeah, it gives her a good scene too on the bedroom floor, right next to the bed. Which I found a little strange. <laughs> uh, it was the 70s though, so um, carpets were a little thicker back then, weren't they? A yeah. More comfortable. Um, the daughter whinges about wanting to go home in the middle of the night. George randomly wakes up at 3.15am and walks the dog. Uh, we get a nice little black cat jump scare. We do. There we go, because uh, we haven't had a jump scare yet, so we needed one. Um, George is an absolute moody arsehole the next day. Kathy <laughs> uh, just wants some help with the shopping. Dressed a bit like a schoolgirl, again. Yeah. The fashion choices weren't the best for um, old Margot Kidder. No. Bless her. Um, Father Delaney is very sick now <laughs> with what is believed to be the flu. And the toilets keep overflowing with bubbly, thick black water. Thanks a lot, Father Delaney. Thanks a lot, Father Delaney. Uh, I think I think he did manage to get to the toilet in the end. But um, yes, I think you need a coat anger down that one, don't you? Um, Delaney is... Oh, wait, no, that's later. Why have I got no, that in my notes next so up early? We have, uh, we've got another... Icon. Icon. Religious icon. <laughs> it's Kathy's aunt. She turns up for a visit. She's a nun. Um, she comes by the house one afternoon, but becomes violently ill. <laughs> um, she... She didn't stay very long, so I haven't, I haven't really got much to say about what she does, because she kind of gets there, she's like, I have to go, I really feel terrible. <laughs> so, she's also giving us code brown energy. Margot Killett is pleading so hard with her she's not to go. She's pleading so, no, it's no. like, <laughs> and thankfully it's just never happened to me, but if, you know, if, have a code brown attack, and someone's like grabbing your arm when you're rushing away, <laughs> that must be very stressful before. But for poor, what's what's even her name? I just got Kathy's camp. Kathy's camp nun aunt, sister Mary, uh, sister Mary, uh, Celeste. Kate and Ashley, sister Mary Kate and Ashley. Um, yeah, absolutely campery. It's so camp, she's... so random. <laughs> now, when she's driving away, she has to stop and throw up out the car window, <laughs> like she's had a dodgy kebab after a night on Canal Street. I tell you, the noise <laughs> that she makes. Amazing. Amazing. It was definitely edited on. It was not her making that it's noise. Certainly not. <laughs> certainly not her making that noise. Thankfully, because I hate it. I hate puke. I hate it, hate it, hate it. I hate seeing it in films. Thankfully, the, the car hides well it's not hiding vomits. a lot it's very clear she's not actually throwing up it's yeah <laughs> thankfully thankfully i hate you know well i'm not a huge fan of poo and stuff like that in films but puke i hate it i really don't know when you're seeing poo in films you see poo in films not a lot <laughs> not as much as vomit i'm sorry pink flamingos well, yeah the pooiest film i've ever seen anyway george becomes <laughs> <laughs> George becomes sullen and angry over perceived cold in the house. He also can't get a boner. He can't. And <laughs> excuse me, 
and obsesses with splitting <laughs> and obsesses with splitting logs and keeping the fireplace stoked. You can only get erections over logs. I did say he also struggles to rise to the occasion, if you know what I mean. Kathy <laughs> uh, wakes up in the middle of the night. She screams, "She was shot in the head!" <laughs> ah, she was shot in the head. And then just goes back to sleep. <laughs> and it's never mentioned. Never, no. never mentioned. Uh, Delaney is involved in a car accident with uh, <laughs> Father Bolan, resulting from mysterious malfunctions. It's, you say that it's after he sees the fly. It was that cheeky bastard fly. It's that fly. It's definitely oh, fuck fly. you. <laughs> it is. It's like, which one of you doesn't know how to flush the toilet? After he's out of shit. There's black turd all over the fucking house. <laughs> Uh, before Kathy's brother's engagement, because it's a wedding, if, isn't it? If this, oh, it's wedding. Yeah, I suppose so. Whatever. <laughs> Who cares? If this film enjoys doing anything, it's throwing <laughs> random characters <laughs> into the mix and then just like huh. Father Delaney's the only one that kind of gets a conclusion. The rest are just like thrown in there. Um, yeah. So before Kathy's brother's wedding, um. $1,500 to be used for the caterer inexplicably goes missing in the house. Um, George has now started to look like an absolute bag of shite. Um, he threatens the caterer when the caterer whines about accepting George's cheque mm -hmm. rather than the money. Um, Kathy's aunt is feeling much better now at the wedding, which is good, isn't it? Mm -hmm. she's, <laughs> she's there. Uh, meanwhile, the babysitter watching Amy for the evening is locked inside a bedroom closet by an unseen force. Um, I enjoyed the... I was going to say lyric. Um, the line, Amy, I'm in the closet. Open the door. <laughs> and I'm like, you be you, Queen. You don't need Amy. You do not need Amy to help you come out. You know, you come out that closet whenever you're ready for it. You I don't I, need <laughs> anyone else to let you out that closet. I particularly enjoy the dialogue after the scene. Um, when, when she dialogue gets is the word I was looking for. Thank you, Gary. Um, when uh, Margot Kidd is like, to her daughter, why don't you open the door? And the daughter's like, Jodie wouldn't let me. She's my friend who I play with. And James Brothers like, Jesus fucking Christ, <laughs> what the hell are we standing here listening to? <laughs> And there what... we go. Jodie doesn't like George. <laughs> In both of these films, I don't know why, but possessed George being angry at kids is just so fucking funny. Which, I mean, in real life, in, in you know... In, in kids, reality... The kids are kind of annoying, yeah, though. Yeah, in reality, the George Lurtz, from what was said on my Amtable Horror documentary, is... Uh, wasn't the nicest of guys to the kids anyway. Before or um, after. Before or and during. After, yeah. Um, yeah. But from a film perspective, this is very entertaining. Yeah. Um, the babysitter has to stop herself from giving Amy a good, well-deserved slap. Yeah. <laughs> and I've heard George tells her about herself too. But she and her imaginary friend, Jodie, aren't too pleased. <laughs> Um, the other priests don't believe Father Delaney's no. story, and he's absolutely fuming. <laughs> and they could have just called this film Father Delaney's Bad Day. It could be. <laughs> it could. Uh, have they not seen The Exorcist? Like, <laughs> come on, guy. Come on, dudes. You know you should know. Uh, further unexplained incidents occur when one of the two boys suffers a crushed hand 
when a uh, sash window falls on it. Yes. And Amy's imaginary friend, Jodie, uh, seems to uh, be of an, a malevolent nature. Yeah, prior to this, uh, the reason they got the kid got the hand slammed on his... Uh, window slammed on his hand, should I say, is because uh, him and his brother were trying to dangle a fake spider onto Amy. Um, Amy is outside playing Real Housewives of Amateurville with her dolls. No. And uh, while she's playing with her dolls, she says the following dialogue. You girls think I don't know what you're up to? Well, I do. And if I ever catch you again, you're going to be in big trouble. You girls hear me? Janet, are you listening? Now don't be a smartass. <laughs> I'm good they interrupted her. I wanted to know what happened next with Janet. Well, um, in the deleted scene, one of them says... Um... <laughs> Let's talk about the husband. <laughs> Let's talk about what you don't want out. I'm sorry, Kathy. I'm not going to let you get away with this. I'm sorry, Kathy. I'm not going to let you get away with this. <laughs> That's George. George says that. I'm sorry, Kathy. I'm not going to let you get away with this. Um, for anyone who doesn't realise, that's a Lisa Rinna quote. <laughs> Literally from this week's Housewives of uh, Beverly Hills. Um, in the middle of the night, George's uh, George in his iconic only uh, <laughs> only underwear on his bottom half outfit finds the spare room with all the flies before the front door flies off the handle. He returns to the spare room and the flies have gone. Uh, Father Delaney has a meltdown over the phone again. <laughs> but again, this this scene as well. <laughs> He's they're standing at the door. I mean, first of all, the door being blown off is again campus tits. It's hilarious. So funny, it just randomly blows off its hinges. And then he, him and Margaret Kidder are standing in the doorway, and Amy just comes to, the, to find out what the fuck's going on. And he's like, God damn you little bitch, don't you sneak up on me! <laughs> <laughs> it's, oh my god, she just wants to know what's going on. Kathy uh, is visited by a scruffy, disappearing neighbour who, <laughs> who can't knock on a door properly. Because this is a haunted house film. And Why we need, the fuck? We need a faint knocking sound. Why was he in the film? Ghostly fake out. <laughs> well, this is this is one of the, the things. Is he a ghost haunting the house? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't think he is. I think it's literally a weird neighbor who wanted to give her cans of beer as a housewarming gift. Who? doesn't know how to knock on a door properly because we need faint faint knocking sounds because this is a haunted house film. But he, he disappears within seconds. Yeah, he does, yeah. <laughs> but she says, no, I'm answering the phone, and he pisses off. Um, with George's land surveying business beginning to suffer with his lack of attendance, his business partner Jeff grows concerned and they go for a drink. At the bar, George is told he looks just like Ronald DeFeo Jr. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. And he punches Jeff after Jeff throws some major shade. Um, prior yeah. to this, prior, yeah, to, prior this, to this, George goes to the library on his motorbike. And in a bizarre series of events, that really bothered me. Um, and it always bothers me when this happens in film because it doesn't make any fucking sense. He goes to the library oh, it does, yeah. and steals a book on ghosts. Okay, George, it, it doesn't take you a second to fucking sign up for a library card and borrow the book. Like, what is it? Why are you stealing from a library? But what does he think the librarians are going to do? Like, the two old ladies are going to be like, oh, look at this bitch, believes in ghosts. I know, yeah. Like, 
just just get the book out. Yeah. Um, what did you think to the shade that was thrown by Jeff? What shade was that? Because everyone just tells George how terrible it looks the whole time. Well, film. yeah, you look like shit. <laughs> but, oh, I can't remember now. Wasn't it something about the kids? Like, not even your kids. Probably. <laughs> and George should probably be happy about that. I mean... <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kathy catches a glimpse of two red swine-like eyes outside... Uh, Amy's second story bedroom window which was about which was one of the things that the, the Lutz has said happened they yeah. both saw they should have kept it as the eyes and not the fucking pig that he had it in later on in the film it <laughs> looks fucking awful uh, Jeff offers to babysit so Kathy and George can have a night off his wife Carolyn very sensitive to the paranormal <laughs> is both repulsed and intrigued by the things she feels when at the house while in the basement of the uh, the house, Carolyn begins demolishing a wall with a hammer, revealing a small room behind the wall. Discovering the damage, George takes down the rest of the wall, observing a small room with red walls. Carolyn, in terror, shrieks that they have found the passage to hell. Only her voice now sounds like Father Delaney's <laughs> voice. That's camp. That was camp. <clears throat> Did you get what she said? Um, Find the well. It's the passage to hell. Cover it. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. And we never see her again. No. I thought she was going to be a bigger part of the film. Again, these Good characters it. thrown in and just like forgotten about. Um, Kathy says, George, you heard that voice. You know whose voice that was. And I'm like, how does he know? He's Father Delaney's <laughs> never actually met you. You've he's, never heard that man speak once. He's never made it to you <laughs> more than five seconds to your house. He hasn't even managed a phone call with you, for fuck's sake. Um, they pray to protect the house, but Kathy ends up with blisters on her face after holding a crucifix they discovered upside down. Um, yeah, I don't... How religious were the Lutz family? It's not something I massively got from the documentaries. No. Like they didn't say, "Oh, we prayed." Oh, I suppose. I suppose they were. Though, oh, they? you saw how angry Daniel Lutz got when one of the cameramen said he wasn't religious. He was agnostic. He didn't know he was whether he believed in God or not. Fuming. But what's who's what's her name? Lorraine Warren. Vera Farmiga. Yeah. She. Uh... <laughs> Lorraine Warren. Um, yeah, she got really testy as well, didn't she? she? Well, I, well, I don't know if we can continue if someone's agnostic, you know. Fuck <laughs> off, get over yourself. Uh, <laughs> back at the church, Father Delaney prays passionately. <laughs> he really did. He fucking he goes for it. fucking had it now. He's, he's had it. He's, yeah, Vera Farmiga. <laughs> in out. Um, he's praying passionately. <laughs> To stop the evil in Amateurville, but is blinded and suffered. <laughs> Gary. Okay, this didn't actually happen to the priest. He did, the way. yeah, it did. <laughs> he is blinded and suffers a mental breakdown. This guy. He is next seen sitting at a garden in an unresponsive <laughs> state, his mind completely gone. I think it's cruel they left him alive. They should have just fucking killed him. <laughs> I mean, After all the shit he's been through, just thing. kill the guy. This is, and it's, it is a problem I have with the film. There are no real stakes because the, no one's been killed. No, apart from the DeFeo family. Yeah, but 
I mean, that's not a huge part of the film, no. really. So there are no stakes. So there should have been one or two characters killed yeah. to make us think, oh, okay, you know, this is a murderous house. Yeah. Because it's not really. Um, and any kind of murder that takes place within the Lutz story is a dream sequence. Honestly, the ghost is just a big prankster. Yeah. Like, well, it just keeps playing pranks on people. I mean, extreme pranks on Father Delaney. Like, yeah. it's taking it a bit too far there. Um, but with everyone else, he's just playing fucking pranks on them. Yeah. Like, Kathy dreams of George murdering her <laughs> and Amy with an axe. Uh, it's the bloodiest moment in the film, but it, it's a dream sequence. Yeah. Uh, see, my comparison for this film is Poltergeist. Yeah. Because in Poltergeist, yeah, no one dies but they're not the stakes no the house has taken caroline yeah and and you know she may never return they're the stakes whereas the stakes in this film aren't really what just doing a pish you know dad's gonna be angry for speaking. <laughs> like one of you is gonna obtain an obsession with chopping wood yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Like, you shall be cold for the rest of your life. You're going to see two red eyes. Yeah. Oh, fuck, you know. <laughs> going to slam ben, a window on your you child. If you saw two red eyes out of that window behind you, you would father Delaney your pants. Well, I mean, yes. <laughs> but if I saw two red eyes in that window, the, the ghost would be playing a great prank. And I'm, that's what I'm doing. I'm congratulating yeah, him. Yeah. Like, he's, he's really just up for a laugh and they just don't get it. <laughs> Um, George screams, and I think this is a famous quote from the film, I'm coming apart. It is, it is. Um, and then he hits Kathy. Yeah. He does. And this is the first moment where he's been violent. He's, he's been a, you know, arsehole. Mm -hmm. But he's fun. I wish they would have played this part a little more. Yeah. Um, like they're doing the remake. Like they're doing the remake. Uh, Kathy goes to find Father Delaney. But Rod Steiger was clearly only available for a short period, <laughs> so had to film all his scenes separately. Uh, Father Boland speaks to Father Delaney, and uh, also a nosy police officer, which I haven't mentioned previously, because he's completely pointless. But he does pop up every yeah, so often. he is there because of the exorcist. He looks like the, the lieutenant from the exorcist. Yeah. Um, complete filler. This, this scene is a complete filler. It's it sort of... It's my biggest issue with the film is that it does not need to be two hours long. No. It really, it seriously does not need to be two hours long. The Father Delaney moments, however camp they are, don't need, they really don't no. add to the film. The priest paid one visit to the house in real life. Yeah. When he was supposedly attacked by the flies. But this, he gets his own fucking subplot here. He does. Going back and forth to him, it's completely pointless. <laughs> These random characters thrown in, completely pointless. And it does kind of take away from the story of the Lutzes, the the interest. And it is one thing that the remake does do better. Um, it's more succinct. Mm. It's more, it follows their story much closer. Yeah. Because it doesn't have these random, you know, visitors. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, it's it's is this is a film that does not need to be two hours long. Um, Kathy does a little research and realizes George and Ronald DeFeo Jr. look almost identical now. Okay, 
Um, she does research whilst wearing the estate agent's glasses. She does, she does. She does. But another pointless scene, really. Uh, finally, she could have just discovered a fucking newspaper somewhere or whatnot. <laughs> uh, but you had to have the whole yeah. rigmarole of her going to uh-huh. the library and all that shit. Uh, finally, thank God, the paranormal events culminate one stormy night. Blood oozes from the walls and down the staircase. Jodie, appearing as a large, red-eyed pig, <laughs> is seen through a window, and George attempts to kill the children with an axe, but reg- but regains his wits after Kathy disrupts him. Who's your favourite, um, Pig Jodie or Ghost Girl Jodie from the remake? Um, both kind of pointless. <laughs> In both cases... What you don't see is scarier. Yeah. And the reveal is kind of... It's a letdown. Um, <laughs> but I have to go with Pig. Pig Jodie. Because <laughs> that's camp. Yeah. Well, I mean, Ghost Girl Jodie gets a very camp scene in the remake. She does a little babysitter. bit. She does. Oh, she does. Of course she does. When she reenacts Nicki Minaj at the uh, MTV <laughs> Music Awards. We'll get to that one. Uh, after falling through the basement stairs into a pit of black sludge while rescuing Harry the dog, George and the rest of the family drive away, abandoning their home and belongings. A final intertitle reads, George and Kathleen Lutz and their family never reclaim their house or their personal belongings. Today, they live in another state. And the fact that they could leave all their belongings behind and afford to get a new house and start again from the bottom... Wow. Being white in the 70s gets you. Yeah. Um, Giving that boomer energy. Yeah. I it, Again, it's a horror classic regardless of what we think. Um, and I enjoy it. I think it's a good film. Fucking hell. It really does not need to go on that long. And uh, this time around, I mean, I like I said, I found it scary when I was younger. I, I thought the opening sequence was creepy this time around. But aside from that, I just enjoyed it for the for the camp value. Yeah, yeah, I I enjoyed the, the camp value, which may have not been intentional. No, no, it, it's not. But I, I find I find a lot of like seventies horror films very camp. Yeah, um, unintentionally. Um, it's fine. It it's a good film. I can see, you know, what it was going for. I just there, there were so many parts of it that I would have cut. Yeah. Or, you know, sort of made much smaller. And then other parts that I would have made bigger. Yeah. And longer. Um, still keeping an hour and a half. I just, a film like this does not need it to doesn't. be two hours. It doesn't. really doesn't. Um, but it, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. I, I, I found um, James Brolin and Margot Kidder, they did a good job. Uh-huh. They were likeable, which yeah. is really important to the story. You know, Rod Steiger does a good job. Um, yeah, it's not one of those films, though, where I would say, oh, Gary, let's sit down and watch Amateur yeah. Horror. Yeah. You know, it's unfortunate. It'll be a long time till I watch it again. Yeah. And maybe never. Next up, we have the Amateurville Horror from 2005, directed by Andrew Douglas, uh, the director of You Want Me to Kill Him. That is spelled The Lesser You, Want oh. Me, Number Two, Kill Him, Question Mark. Oh, no. So it's a film about a guy on the internet 
who uh, meets a girl on a chat room and she asks him to kill someone. Yes, I have seen it. My watch list was pretty rough back in the day. Uh, Ronaldino. so lucky to have found them. Ronaldino, the happiest man in the world. Yes, the footballer. Um, oh. Strokes of Genius. documentary? I think so. Strokes oh. of Genius. Right. Searching for the Wrong Guy, Jesus. Two episodes of Mindhunter. Oh. Um, music videos for Paul Young, Alison Moyer, and Jake Bug. Right. Okay. <laughs> cool. What a career. <laughs> what a career. I wonder which Annie... Uh, say Annie Lennox? No, Alison Moyer. Oh, Alison Moyer. Um, yeah, okay, cool. Written by Scott Kozar, who, uh, previous star of the podcast, wrote the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. Oh. Um... As I mentioned on an episode, The Crazies, The Machinist, episodes of Bates Motel, The Haunting of Hill House, etc, etc. Based on the screenplay by Sanders Stern, the book by Jay Anson, and story by George and Kathy Lutz. MGM claimed the remake was based on new information uh, uncovered during research of the original events. But George Lutz later claimed nobody ever spoke to him or his family about the project. When he initially heard it was underway, his attorney contacted the studio to find out what they had in the planning stages... And to express Lutz's belief that they didn't have the rights to proceed without his input. Three letters were sent and none was none were acknowledged. In June 2004, the studio filed a motion for uh, declaratory relief in federal court, insisting that they had the rights to do a remake and Lutz uh, countersued, citing violations of the original contract that had continued throughout the years following the release of the first film. Uh, the case remained unresolved when Lutz died in 2006. So George Lutz wasn't getting any money for the remake and yeah. wanted to get some money for the remake. Basically, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, he, he was very bitter about this one. Even uh, that first documentary we watched where it was like, oh, the original's like a documentary compared to the remake. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, so you're telling me that Father Delaney actually went through all that shit then? He was actually blinded. Um, okay. It's because Lutz. the remake makes George Lutz look like a complete arsehole. Yeah. <laughs> but not before, whereas real life tells us that he was an arsehole yeah. before, during, and after. Budget $19 million and it made $107.5 million at the box office. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get to our second feature presentation. For the Lutz family. It's beautiful. It was the find of a lifetime. Who are you talking to? The girl who lives in my closet. Until they discovered the house has a history. He killed his brothers in the scary room. They can't escape. Hi, Lisa. Get you and your family out of that house right now. The Amityville Horror, rated R, starts Friday, April 15th. We're told immediately this is based on a true story because we're in the 2000s and it's a remake and that is a big selling point. Uh, at 3.15am on November 13th, 1974, Ronald DeFeo Jr. murdered his entire family at their house at 412 Ocean Avenue in Amityville, New York. He claimed that he was persuaded to kill them by voices he heard in his head telling him to catch them and kill them. Um, 412. Yeah. It's 112. Oh, it's 412 in the remake. Oh, oh my god, they've changed things <laughs> up so much. It feels like a brand new film. Uh, just before shooting began, the body of a fisherman who had been murdered washed up on the bank of the river right near the house. Oh. Yeah. 
One year later, a married couple, George and Kathy Lutz, move into the house along with Kathy's three children from previous marriage, Billy, Michael and Chelsea. Ryan Reynolds uh, plays George this time around. He chose not to become too close with his on-screen children. Uh, he was not mean or rude to them, just very distant. So distant, in fact, that the children uh, often confided to those on set that Ryan didn't like them. Um, Reynolds said that he did not want to fall in love with the kids. Ooh, he, did. Uh, he did this so that when George Lutz started changing, he would have no trouble easing into the verbal and physical abuse. Wow. Method. Daniel Day-Lewis who? <laughs> uh, yeah, and of course, Melissa George plays... Uh, Kathy Lutz, my dad used to have a signed picture of Melissa George from Home and Away. Home and Away, <laughs> nice. I'm assuming uh, Rachel McAdams wasn't available. No, she wasn't. No. Actually, then no. Actually, wasn't that's, big, that's, that's really it, shitty. Actually, that is actually how dare you? That is very shitty. You know, we shouldn't commit just because they look similar. You know, Melissa George does a good job in this. She film. does. I, I really like Melissa George. Yeah, no, I apologise. If you're listening, Melissa George, I do apologise. You look very much like, and, you know, both absolutely beautiful women, uh, Rachel McAdams and Melissa George. Um, yeah. The family soon begins experiencing paranormal events in the house, including George seeing a dead child hanging whilst he and Kathy are getting saucy. The, se uh, the sex scene isn't as dramatic in this as it was in the uh, original. We get no ballet from Melissa no, George. No, and it was in the bed as well, which the bed. is a nice change <laughs> for the looks. Of... Uh, Ch Chelsea claims that she has befriended a girl named Jodie, uh, a name belonging to one of the murdered Defoe children. Chelsea is such a girl in the 2000s name, a British girl in the 2000s. You can tell this direct it's, it's got to be British, the director. Um, Chelsea. It's such a... British girl in the 2000s name. Chelsea Clinton. <laughs> okay. Strange events. Chelsea Handler. She's American. Strange events continue, including George getting moody and chopping wood. Michael finding some sort of torture device in the basement. Chelsea uh, found standing on the edge of a speedboat with a red balloon because Jodie wanted to see the boat. Uh, George starts having weird dreams and finally a scene that scared the shit out of me when I first watched it. Michael spots a demon in the mirror with blood coming from its mouth. <gasps> very, very good jump scare. Yeah. Um, did you... One thing the film does is it likes to showcase Ryan Reynolds' um, gym uh, Yes. <laughs> Let, let's, let's be honest here. All this, the effort uh, he put into the gym. This film was a lot of people's sexual awakening. Um, <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's something I hate. Hate? In films. <laughs> it, what it is. And historically, women have had to suffer this a lot more than men. Yeah. It's the idea that actors and actresses playing real people have very unreal <laughs> bodies. <laughs> and, you know... And could go through the biggest traumas ever and still have a face full of makeup and six-pack abs. <laughs> and is it established what... Oh, yeah, he's a... um, What is he in this film? Uh, Ryan Reynolds, uh, George Lutz. What's his... What's his job? Contractor. Oh, a okay. contractor. Now, contractor is a very physical job. Yeah. It is. Not that physical. <laughs> like, he has been working out... He read the script. He realised that he's going to have to be shirtless a lot. 
and he's worked out and worked out and worked out. Props to him. It looks fabulous. Fantastic. But, you know, no wonder people <laughs> get self-conscious about their own bodies. <laughs> um, also, there's a, a, a... I keep seeing on TikTok... How Gen Z of me. I keep seeing on TikTok women thirsting over, in a, in a jokey way, this guy who's chopping wood. Have you seen this? No, I haven't. He's a guy and his whole thing is that he kind of acts oblivious to the fact that he looks like a model and him chopping wood is really getting women going. And they give requests and one of them is him saying, good girl, good girl. <laughs> Before like splitting this log with an axe, and that's all I can think of. Because Ryan Reynolds, shirtless, <laughs> chopping this wood, was just giving me that. If if anyone's seen the TikTok, it will make sense. Uh, I'll have to send it to you, Gary. Um, but yeah, this whole this guy's <coughs> whole me. TikTok presence is him chopping wood and looking like, you know, America's Next Top Model. <laughs> Um, and I, that's all I could think of whilst watching this. Probably inspired by this. He, he could. Um, he, he might have been. He might have been. One night, the couple decide to go out and they hire a babysitter to watch the three kids. When the babysitter, Lisa, arrives, they come to find out that she had previously been hired to babysit for the Defoes. Uh, Megan Fox auditioned for this role initially. Yeah, actually played by Rachel Nichols. Mm -hmm. And... Um, uh, she played the young woman Richard wants a threesome with for his birthday, who Samantha throws out after uh, she calls Richard Daddy in Sex and the City. Oh, there we go. If there's one thing I'm good at, it's uh, <laughs> recognising Sex and the City guest stars in random horror films. <laughs> Lisa tells them about the murders that took place in their house. When she goes to Chelsea's room, <laughs> she uh, she she starts slagging off uh, off starts slagging off Jody, uh, and Chelsea tells her she's a bad a bad babysitter, and that Jody told her so. Um, she yeah she reads Jody to filth. She calls her a little shit. She calls her a little brat. Says she got her fired. Um, Billy dares Lisa to go inside the closet. Uh, the same closet where Jodie was murdered, and she gets locked inside. Sounds homophobic to me. And Lisa also has a weird obsession with Kiss as well, but so does Billy. Yeah, I kept forgetting that this film was from the 70s. <laughs> Every so often you get Ryan Reynolds in a very 70s shirt, and yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, this is set in the 70s. <laughs> and then you get a random Kiss reference or an Alice <laughs> Cooper poster. I'm like, oh yeah, this is set in the 70s. <laughs> Uh, yeah, after a few seconds, she encounters Jodie herself and begs to be let out. Jodie uh, shows her where she was shot, so she turns up and she was like, and now, back to this bitch who had a lot to say about me to the Lutz kids. <laughs> Lisa, what's good? Uh, she gets Lisa's finger uh, to get her back for slagging her off and uh, shoves it through her bullet hole in her head. She does. <laughs> she does. Um, this, this film is a lot bloodier than the original. Yeah, this entire sequence is so fucking camp because it's just the way she goes from bitching about her to them being scared to shit. <laughs> yeah. And then it's even more camp when she's taken outside after by the paramedics and she's just constantly shaking and like telling Melissa George about Jodie. 
Yeah, she's um she's ranting. She says, "Oh, you know, you know how the press like to twist things." <laughs> um, that's the last you see of Lisa. <laughs> that is the last you see. Of Lisa. Um, they the kids get a talent off for it, especially from George, who tells Billy, "What that stupid look of your face and go to bed." <laughs> yeah, one thing that physically so. In in the original film, uh, George looks very tired as as he's being mm-hmm. possessed by the house. Um, it's giving The Shining the house down boots. I forgot. It's giving The Shining the house down boots. But it's the year before The Shining, the original. Is it? Yeah. No. It is. It's of course the year it before is. The yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay, I'll take that back. Um, <laughs> no, yeah. Um, in this one, it's his eyes that change. Yeah, so he had contact lenses in to make his eyes look more black as the film went on. Yeah. Um, to demonstrate that he's getting possessed. Um, but I like the possession. Ooh, how very 2005. Well, we, I, I like... We need to, uh, we need to make this very obvious yeah, to the audience. Yeah, but I like that he went over the top with the possession in this one. It's something but no one mentions his of. eyes. Well, no, they don't. At no point does Kathy say, what have you done to his eyes? No. But... It, the whole possession thing, I think it's better that it's more over the top here than it is in the original. Um, because one thing about the original is that ending is fucking anticlimactic. Yeah, that's true. Uh, his behaviour towards Kathy and her children becomes more abusive and the paranormal activity continues. George is grabbed by a bunch of arms when he's in the bath. Th- this film was really doing it for the gays. Um, they really wanted to showcase Ryan Reynolds... Also. Yeah. Uh, he goes to the hospital where they do tests, but everything's fine. But they come home to find Chelsea on the roof of the house attempting to jump so she can be with Jodie, who was going to take her to her dead dad. Yeah, this is something else that differs. I'm not sure why, um, but in the original... In the original... In real life, it's a divorce, isn't it? Yeah. And George Lutz wouldn't marry Kathy... Unless he could officially adopt the kids. Mm-hmm. So seemingly they didn't have any relationship with their biological father. Yeah. And their biological father was okay with that. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is it a divorce in the original film? It's never really mentioned. It's never it? really mentioned. Well, the kids are a non-entity in the original. They only yeah, got a few scenes. it's true. Um, but I think the dead dad angle, I think... Let's face it, it was probably put in there just so this scene could happen. Yeah, for so, a bit of sympathy, I yeah. think, as well. Great scene. It's it's really intense. Um, Chloe, yeah, but anyway, Chloe Grace Moretz uh, was this her first role? I think close to. I think yeah. Um, she so good as uh, as Chelsea. Like child actors are hit or miss, but like this scene on top of the roof, she really fucking sells it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was fine. Yeah, she was alright. Kathy gives her a talent off, um, but comforts her when she mentions how much she misses her dad. To which George says, what's the matter with you people, wacko family? <laughs> uh, one night, George hears Harry barking in the boathouse and in a sad series of events, he grabs the axe and proceeds to murder the family dog. Very sad. Yeah. Very, very sad. The children look for Harry the next day. I suppose it, but it's like critique i had of the original film that it, the stakes weren't high mm. the stakes aren't massive in this one they're higher than the original but higher than the yeah. original well no, no one dies in this one apart from the dog nearly but, but you know how yeah. that gets to me 
dog's dying. Yeah, the children looking for Harry the next day with George denying that he knows where he is, despite Billy's suspicions. Kathy asks the priest, Father Calloway, bless the house, uh, he does not get anywhere near as tough a time as Delaney in the uh, original. No, um, but still doesn't feel the need to explain himself when he fucks off straight away. Yeah, he goes there, he gets attacked by the flies. Um, we're in 2005 now, so... He doesn't just get around his face. He is pushed over. He's looking for a vent and he flies across the room um, after the flies attack him. CGI flies as yeah. well. And he leaves uh, without saying what's going yeah, on. Yeah, he literally, he gets in the car and drives off. Yeah. Like, Kathy's like, what, what's going on here? And uh, he just drives off, doesn't say a word. No. He really can not give a shit. No. Kathy uh, discovers that the house once belonged to a cult preacher named Reverend Jeremiah Ketchum, whose evil actions towards Native Americans during his mission in 17th century Amityville are said to be the cause of the haunting. Uh, meanwhile, George, as he is walking through the basement of the house, encounters the apparitions of the various Native Americans who were tortured and killed there by Ketchum centuries ago. Entering a dimly lit room, George encounters Ketchum himself... Uh, he's not aware of who he is, but he encounters him. And the ghostly figure of the evil missionary turns around, picks up a knife, slits his throat in an act of recreating a suicide, covering George with blood and causing him to become nearly completely possessed. Yeah, a lot more over the top. It is. Than the original. I, I mean... More. You know, it's 2005. Yeah. There, are, there are expectations yes. from a horror film. Yeah. There? Yeah, it's some great imagery um, as well. In the scene. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Kathy becomes convinced that George's abusive behaviour is owed to a spiritual possession. Following urgent advice from Father Calloway, she tries to evacuate her children from the house and escort them to safety. She has to do research. She does. And she has to go to Father Calloway for him to say, yeah, get out the house. He doesn't... In, in the original, Father Delaney, he's... <laughs> He's stopped, but at least he's trying to warn yeah. them, to tell them. This Father Calloway could not care <laughs> less. She has to do all the work. She and say, oh, shit, Kathy, I'm so sorry. I was meaning to tell you, your house is possessed and you really have to leave. Oh, I'm sorry, you, you are in a lot of danger. I think, I think your husband's going to try and kill you. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Because uh, I literally spent a minute in your house and then fucked off. Um, but I think your husband's going to try and kill you. I, I meant to leave your voicemail. So sorry, hon. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he doesn't care. He ain't give two shits. <laughs> um, yeah, as she's trying to evacuate the children out of the house, the possessed George attempts to kill her and the children. Um, I, I think it's a very intense sequence. Way yeah. more intense than the ending of the original. He says, uh, you know... Things aren't hunky dory, Kathy. And Kathy's like, "Who's hunky dory?" And he says, "I'm not gonna let you get away with this, Kathy." Kathy knocks him out to prevent him from doing so and transports him away from the residence. Subsequently, George is released from the spirit's control and the family permanently leaves the house. The title card states that the family left within 28 days of arriving and never returned, not even for their personal belongings. To get a deposit back. No. Oh, Jody is shown standing in the now empty house and screaming in terror whilst the house rearranges itself back to its original state before the family's arrival. 
The ghost walks around just chucking out their stuff. Like, well, there's cheap shit in here anymore. <laughs> Subsequently, uh, Jodie is pulled beneath the floor by a pair of disembodied hands. And yeah. hands. Is it Jodie or Jojo? She starts singing Leave, Get Out. Stop it. So there we go. That's the uh, remake. That is the remake. I've, I've, I, I don't even know how many times I've seen it now. It, it's probably sad that I, I could probably quote the film scene to scene. Oh, um, it's very but, sad. Yeah, I think it's one of the better uh, modern horror remakes. Nostalgia has it. Of the two thousands people, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, I think it's creepy. I, I think it's intense at times. Um. I mean, every cast I want to say about it is basically in the next few sections of the episode. But yeah, what, what are your closing? My closing thoughts. Um, it's fine. It does stuff better than the original, does stuff worse than the original. To me, it just, it felt generic. I think coming in, watching it much later on, I've seen this type of film so many times. Yeah. And so it just, it didn't feel fresh or interesting. Um, it was fine. It was fine. I didn't hate it. I didn't have a huge issue with it. But again, kind of a bit like the original. I'm not inclined to want to watch it again yeah. anytime soon. It just existed. I watched it. I was entertained and, and that's about it. Yeah. So getting into cinematography scares and soundtrack, 1979. Uh, I think the cinematography is fantastic here. It's uh, it's for me. It's what makes some of it really creepy and atmospheric. Uh, the lighting is great, especially again that opening scene uh, where we just see the gunshots from outside and then we see inside. And everything. it just yeah, the cold opening in itself is is very eerie. And makes you question how far it's going to go. Because, I mean, it, it, you know, you don't expect to see kids being shot in a bed. No, no, it's true. Yeah. Uh, it's a shame the ending goes on forever and feels anticlimactic, though. Because, um, yeah, it just could have been better. It, it could have been better. Yeah, I, by the end, I just kind of wanted it to be over with. Yeah, but it felt like the filmmakers wanted the same. Yeah. That's the problem, though. Um, the score, on the other hand, Oscar nominated, uh, it's amazing. So good. Love that score. And you know I struggle mm -hmm. sometimes to remember. That's memorable. It was yeah. really, really good. Yeah. Loved it. It, it. it really... Probably the best part of the film. Really? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it really adds to the film. It does. It really... It's the kind of... I would listen to the soundtrack before I would watch the film yeah. again. Yeah, yeah. Um, the same comment said about the soundtrack for the remake. I mean, it's fine. You know, it, it ramps up the intense scenes, but it's just, it's just there. It just sounds it's like just no, it's no match. It's absolutely no match for that original score. I just, it's something that happened and I don't know when it happened, but something happened in horror cinema where every soundtrack sounded exactly the same. Yeah. And then they would throw in a random you know, new metal song or mm. something to differentiate between all the rest. You look at the horror classics that came out, 70s yeah. and 80s, you know, each one of them, even the ones that aren't classics, yeah. each one of them had a very distinct soundtrack, a memorable one. 
not all of them, mm-hmm. but even stuff like, you know, I'm thinking Italian horror films, really, as well, yeah. where each film had a very distinct soundtrack, even if it was the same composer, mm-hmm. very distinct, different to the others, really added to the film, very memorable. And I don't, I don't know when the turning point was. I feel like it was the 2000s. I think it was the 2000s. It, it feels like it's going back to good scores again. I kind of feel like it follows Change That. Yeah. Uh, I think from that point onwards, we've gone back to having some memorable scores again. But yeah, it, it did get to a point where everything sounds the same. This is no exception. It, there's nothing to differentiate. It differentiates. It's these Platinum June remakes, though. Like, yeah. I mean, I, you know, like I said, I like this film. I like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. I like the Friday the 13th remake. But a lot of those remakes, all the soundtracks are interchangeable. Yeah. They, they could absolutely. be the exact same for all, you know. You know? Yeah, it, it really could. It could just be the same, to save some money, the same songs. You're like, oh, well, here's a frightening yeah. part. Let's just use the same one but then, we used in... Texas Chainsaw. Thinking of something like Hills of Eyes, I think the Hills of Eyes had a good score, if, if I remember right. It did something a little different with that. But again, it wasn't Platinum Dunes. I feel like Platinum Dunes were just recycling these Yeah, these I, I think it's likely. But there definitely seems to be, from doing this podcast, particularly the original versus yeah. remakes, there tends to be a point where, you know, original soundtracks end. They, yeah. they, they really do. Yeah. Uh, the cinematography, again, is that classic, you've heard it say it a thousand times, it's the music video type of I, cinematography. I hate it. I hate it. I don't need the natural lighting. Just turn up the light a little bit. I want to see what I'm looking at. Yeah, and it's very this much... Isn't the it's trying to be stylish. No, it's trying to be stylish, though. It's that... It, this looks closer to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre than it does... Uh, something like When a Stranger Calls or yeah. you know, Nightmare on Elm Street remake where it's pure music video but it's still the music video I, filter yeah. um, that looks like a new I like metal the, 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 I like the uh, original because it looks very 70s now. Yeah, I kind of like that um, I do like that sort of this aesthetic but the scares, that's a personal preference the scares I would say this is scarier than the original I'd say it's got way more scares. It's more intense. And it's just... They're kind of executed better. Because it all just comes across as camp in the original. Yes. Apart from the open scene. Yeah. So the original is kind of just... Oh my god, what's that noise? Yeah. Oh, something moved slightly. Oh. Whereas in this one, you know, it's um, the daughter on the roof. Yeah. It's, you know... The, the the more gory nature. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it feels like the stakes are a little higher. Um, George's change is a lot more evident earlier on. Mm-hmm. And his potential violence is a lot more apparent earlier on. Um, so it does make it more thrilling than the original. Yeah. So cinematography and soundtrack goes to the original, uh, Scares goes to the remake. Do you agree? Yes. Yes. I agree. So again, to the characters, we have George Lutz, played by James Brolin in 1979, and Ryan Reynolds in 2005. I think James Brolin is great. He he really... The one thing with everybody in that original film is, uh, particularly the leads, they, they are acting like they think they're getting an Oscar. Like, James Brolin really puts a lot into that role. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, I, he, and this is why I'm disappointed that they didn't go as far with his possession stuff, because I think he would have been really fucking good at it. I, I think so. I think James Brolin had less to do mm. in the original. Ryan Reynolds had a lot more to do. Yeah. Um, I think James Brolin was a good choice. He was very much the everyman, yeah. which I think was the idea. You know, it, it, this isn't a super sort of special person. He's not particularly, you know, this, that... You know, he's a, he's a handsome fellow, but he's not, you know, he's not necessarily someone you wouldn't encounter mm -hmm. in your everyday life. You know, that yeah. that's the point. This is an everyday family, American family, who have this thing happen to them. Yeah. Which is why the Ryan Reynolds six-pack abs kind of takes me out of that. Yeah. Um, he's, it, it's a weird choice because Ryan Reynolds... I think even now is seen as probably more of a comedic actor. Yeah. Yeah. And this was a, a serious role for him. And there's a little comedy at the beginning, but I kind of wish they'd play that up a little bit more. Mm. Like he's a joker. He's the funny guy, you know, who turns into this monster. Yeah. You know, I wish they'd played that up a little more because Ryan Reynolds could do that. Yeah. Um, not to say he doesn't give a good performance, but there's certain aspects that took me out of it. I think characterization-wise, though, I think the remake gets it. Yeah. Because George is probably more of a character. Mm -hmm. which is Which is weird to say, because the original is a two-hour film. Yeah. But Ryan Reynolds has a lot more to do. He does, yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean, I think he's really intimidating as the film goes on, uh, Ryan Reynolds. Uh, I think, especially, in, and, and that is weird to watch considering, you know, as we know him now, like you said. Um, but yeah, I think he does a good job. I don't know which one. I kind of want to say James Brolin because whereas Ryan Reynolds gives a really good performance, he does give a good performance. I feel like James Brolin's trying harder. Yeah, right. I feel like Ryan Reynolds... Is this his first sort of major film role? I think it would have been. I oh, knew him. Blade Trinity. I knew him from uh, Two Guys, A Girl in a Pizza Place, mm -hmm. which was a sitcom yeah. that I watched religiously. Um, if anyone remembers the Trouble Channel in the UK, I watched that religiously. Um, so that's how I kind of know him. And it's I've never really known him to do a serious role apart from this mm. and Blade Trinity, which <laughs> I've never watched. That wasn't a serious role. No, was it not? Okay. <laughs> so this is... So I suppose he, he does fine. But I, th I think for me, James Brolin did a better performance. Mm. So I would give it to James Brolin, a better performance for a, maybe a lesser character. Yeah. Yeah, it's close, but it won't go to James Brown. Yeah. Kathy Lutz, played by Margot Kidder in 1979, and Melissa George in 2005. Um, I mean, bias. Uh, we are <laughs> we're massively biased. Melissa George does a good job. Yeah, she does a good I job. I think so. She's likeable. I mean, she yesifies Kathy Lutz. Yeah, yeah. She, she does yesify her a, a bit more. She's... Very likable. She does a good performance. She, yeah, she's a good sort of. It's not a final girl, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, that sort of energy. <clears throat> she gives that really well. But you know, we're biased. 
We love Margot Kidder. Yeah, and her performance is just entertaining to watch. Absolutely. Um, yeah, if it was played by anyone else in 1979, I'm not sure how <laughs> entertaining it would have been. But she is campus tit. She does ballet in front of the mirror before getting she it on. She does. And I can forgive the pigtails <laughs> and the iffy outfit choices. Yeah. Because she's a quick... I, I just... I, 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 I've just loved her in everything. You know, she's mm-hmm. a great Lois Lane. She was amazing in Black Christmas. <laughs> so mm-hmm. good. Um, and she's been in other things that I can't... Oh, Sisters. Yeah. Oh, my God. Love Sisters. Um, yeah. Love her. It's definitely Margot Kid. I'm sorry. The Kids, 1979. Greg, Matt and Amy, played by Casey Martel, Mino Palouse, and Natasha Ryan. And 2005, Billy, Michael and Chelsea, played by Jesse James, Jimmy Bennett and Chloe Grace Moretz. Now, I mean, this one what is... Were there kids in the original Apparently, film? yeah. I'm struggling to remember. Automatically, the remake wins. Yeah. Um, just because they actually have more to do. Yeah. Like, they literally do nothing. And I know Amy had a little Real Housewives of Amateurville moment with her dolls, but still... It... Yeah, they had them to do. It's really just that one scene. That's yeah. the only memorable part that the kids had when they weren't just sort of yelping and whinging. Yeah. Uh, whereas, obviously, in the remake, the kids, particularly the the, the daughter and the oldest kid, yeah. they have more to do. Yeah. They're more fully formed characters. They have to do more acting. And I think they do a good job. You know, that scene... Where he's being forced, I can't remember their names, uh, but when he's being forced to hold the, Billy. yeah, Billy's being forced to hold the the wood mm-hmm. as um, George is chopping it. It's a pretty intense scene, yeah. and you know the the actor, the child actor, does a good job. Yeah, you know, so yeah, I would give it to them. Yeah, yeah, two thousand and five wins on that one. Yes, uh, and finally the priest. <laughs> in 1979, Father Delaney, played by Rod Steiger, and 2005, Father Calloway, played by Philip Baker Hall. Um, yeah, again. Philip Baker Hall? Isn't That's that Philip a... Baker Hall. Isn't he kind of famous? He is kind of famous, yeah. Kind of wasted, then. Well, yeah, yeah, because he barely gets a thing to do in the yeah. remake. Let, let's make it... He's I'm not, not going to go over... Uh, yeah, I'm not going to go over old ground. It's it's Rod Steiger. Yeah, he gets the rough end of things. He yeah. sells every single scene like he's going to get an Oscar for it. It's, yeah. it's impressive to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Rod Steiger wins. And for our final few awards, Biggest Queen. Uh, I have both versions of Kathy Lux. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I would say that. I would actually. It's, it's, it's a tie. Yeah. Uh, biggest Gasp. I have the Bathroom Demon Jump Scare in the remake. Oh, that is a good choice. I really struggled with this one. Um, so, yeah, I'd give it to that as well, actually. Yeah, it's a good choice. Uh, best dialogue I have. Ah, she was shot in the head. Goes back to sleep. <laughs> Kathy Lutz, 1979. Best dialogue I have. <laughs> uh, and I have a tie for that camp. Oh. Um, I have 1979. Kathy's nun aunt visiting and immediately leaving because the ghosts hate her, causing her to violently throw up on the side of the road. And, <laughs> and 2005, Jodie scaring the shit out of Lisa the babysitter after she got high and started talking shit about her. Yeah. <laughs> I've chosen side boob ballet. 
well, yeah, has to be side boob for me. Side boob ballet. And the numbers are in. And the official winner is 1979. Yes. Our ratings for both. Uh, I give the original seven vomiting nuns out of ten. I give the original six holy code browns out of ten. And uh, quite generous, may shock a lot of you, but I give the remake eight wacko families out of ten. Ooh. I give the remake five uninterested priests out of ten. <laughs> uh, if you would like to watch either of these films, the original is available on DVD, Blu-ray and Video On Demand. And the remake is available on DVD and Video On Demand. Uh, if you enjoyed the original, I recommend watching The Changeling. Good, nice choice. That is definitely a film we need to rewatch. It's a film that is very similar to we enjoy, It's very similar. We enjoyed it. And I think it needs a reassessment from us. And I don't, you know, I don't say that very often. Mm -hmm. But I think it might need a reassessment. Yeah. Um, I also think, um, very similar as well, Burnt Offerings. Well, let's not go that far. <laughs> it might, it's got Betty Davis in for fucks. And Barely. Betty Davis. Karen Black. Yes, I'm Oliver aware. Reed. And it has one great scene and the rest is, is boring. I, um, now, both of my choices, you might accuse me of, uh, basically... Well, I haven't gave mine for the remake, yeah. Oh, excuse yeah. Oh, I thought we were but doing But you do your re oh, original no, 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 first. You're, you're, no, in no. you're in charge. It you, makes you... sense. You do the original first. Thank you, it does make sense. Now, for both of my choices, you may think it's basic choices for a basic bitch, but I did say Poltergeist. Yeah, yeah. I rec sense. if you liked Amateurville horror, you will fucking love Poltergeist. It's true. Uh, and yeah, what's your remake? It's The Conjuring. Yeah, which uh, a, a obvious choice. Yeah. Really. And mine is The Conjuring Two, Ooh. which actually opens with the Warrens' case at the Amateurville House. And and unless think... you're agnostic. Well, yeah. I mean, I think The Conjuring Two is the best of that franchise. Um, I saw a list on um, Letterboxd for Amityville films, you know, official or non-official, and they had The Conjuring on there. Yeah, I don't know why it's on there. It's only one scene. But, anyway. but not The Conjuring 2. I'm not The Conjuring 2? No. Oh, okay, that's weird. I was a little confused. Oh, that's weird. As um, But yeah. Yeah, it, with all those recommendations, if you like these films, then those are even better. So, oh my god, there's like out. a million haunted house films out there. Yeah, those come the There's closest. There's loads, you could say. Those come the closest to these. Yeah. Uh, so it's time for best and worst of the month. Uh, for the best of the month for me is uh, something a lot of people may not have heard of. Oh. Uh, and it's Inuo. Yes. Which is an anime rock opera. Yeah. Um, It's my choice as well. So yeah. That. Um, yeah, fantastic anime, really, really weird, but so entertaining, so yeah. enthralling. Yeah, it's it's not like anything I've seen before, and uh, I've watched a lot of shit uh, in my time. It's, it's nothing like I've seen before, it's just really unique, and I've got some limited screening, so if you get a chance to see it, I, I highly recommend it. It's, yeah. it's one of the best of the year. It, kind of queer as well, yeah. as, which we really appreciated. Um, just, you know, we're in 2022 now. Yeah. It's difficult to find something you're like, shit, I haven't seen anything like this yeah. before. Which, you know, doesn't mean every film is shit. 
it's just difficult to be original now with how many you know over a hundred years into cinema mm-hmm. um this felt really original yeah it really it did, did. It yeah did. and so much fun so enjoyable for my worst of the month um it's actually this is a first it's not just my worst of the month <gasps> it's my second best of the month oh it's blackbird So, if you've you've heard about this film, believe everything you've heard. This oh, it's is... Blackbird. What are you? What do you think it is? I forgot what Blackbird. What did you was. sound really sad about it? What film did you think it was? No, I didn't. Oh, Blackbird. <laughs> Just agree with me. Fucking hell! No, it was. Well, I'm not gonna like. Oh yeah, that oh, film Black... that I don't know oh. what you're talking about. Oh, oh yeah, it's my terrible. god, was that this month? That was this month. Jesus. Christ. We haven't actually watched a lot of films this we month. We haven't. We haven't watched a lot um, of new films this month. But yeah, Blackbird well, of is it's Blackbird. a film that is written, directed, produced, starring, uh, financed, released a lot by Michael Flatley, the Riverdance guy. And it is a hybrid of Casino Royale and Casablanca. And it is, again... It's it's unlike anything I've ever seen. Actually, no. The closest thing I could come to is the room. Like this is the next. The the thing, room. It's it's not it's not like anything you've ever seen. But also like so many things you've seen. Yeah. It really it's it's given the room. It absolutely. Has, yeah. It has to be a future podcast episode. It, it, yeah, I think so. But the, I don't. It's kind of one of those films where I'm not sure if we could do it just oh, we could. on the podcast. Uh, no, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah. I don't. I think if if it's ever a podcast film, I implore you to watch it beforehand. Don't just yeah. go off of our, you know, podcast. Because we've done films on the podcast where, you know, maybe you've never seen them. And at the end, we've said well, it's not worth seeing. Yeah. This one you have to watch. Yeah. You have to. I implore you to watch this film because it is so shit. Yeah. But yet so entertainingly crazy. It is one of the most delusional films I have ever seen. Oh my God. Genuinely, Michael Flatley thinks he is a fucking top film star. He thinks he is making a masterpiece and it is nothing of the sort. We watched this. On a Wednesday night, a standard screening in Odeon, and the entire audience was laughing, cheering, sh- shouting at the screen. I never witnessed anything like this at a normal film screening. No. no. It, it, and, you know, the Prince Charles London uh, cinema, they have had to put on extra screenings because of the high demand. What also happened during our screening is the film stopped for 10 yeah, minutes. It was through. amazing. It was such an amazing it was experience. So, such a surreal moment. I'm surprised. How did I forget about this? Film? I know, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. I seriously, I suggest you watch it. Is, is that your worst of the so month as well? So we can get a sequel. Yes, it is my worst of the month. Yes. Honorable mentions. We've got Turning Red. Oh yeah, I love Turning. That Red. was that was the my best of the month until Inho took it. Yeah. Uh, Nightbirds, which was surprisingly good Andy Milligan film because. Uh, most of his films we've watched have been trashed to pieces. And then Nightbirds comes along. Oh shit, it's actually a genuinely good film. Yeah, yeah. Which is, it, it's weird. It, it is weird that this film exists in his filmography. Yeah. 
Uh, Crimes of the Future, New Cronenberg, which was good. Right. Uh, Hatchin, which is uh, a really weird film about... I'm not even going to tell you. The no, least you know about this is, film, the better. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Do Revenge really surprised me how good that was. Really great throwback to some fantastic teen films. Oh, yeah. If you're a fan of, like us, if you're millennials who are a fan of, you know, old school teen films from the uh, late 90s, early 2000s, you'll find a lot to enjoy. Yeah. You really will. And then Gen Z, I think, would find a lot to I sound like such a wanker, don't I? Gen Z, millennials. Um, the, I mean, that's what you say. I mean, there's no other word for them. Fresh, another film that really took me by surprise. Because uh, when I hear of a new film that's gone to streaming services as a horror film and loads of people jumping on board and it's always, oh, well, they've not been able to make it through this film because they've been terrified, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, take it with a pinch of salt. Um, a lot of the time it turns out to be generic Fresh is not that case it is another case of women making the best horror and it is fantastic yeah I really enjoyed Fresh I, I don't see why anyone would switch it off but no yeah. um, <laughs> there is some disgusting body horror in it you, you do have to have a strong stomach for some of the uh, scenes I don't. have you ever switched off a film because it was too scary and finished it the next day yeah like Within the last 20 years. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, wow. I could tell you the film. Do you Go want to know? It was, it was Hull House, uh, the found footage film. I watched it. It was in, I watched it on my own in the dark and it got to that scene with the clown turning its head and I switched <laughs> off. I was like, right, I am finishing that in the morning when it's daylight. Or you could just turn the lights on. Well, oh God, you're no fun. Um, <laughs> How is it with ghosts and shit only coming out at night? Okay, this, this is boring. what a lot of people, including our listeners, watch horror films for. So, this, some stuff scares you. Yeah. Real life scares me. Well, yeah. Anyway, and finally, we can't not mention it. Um, because it wasn't terrible, so it deserves a mention. Don't worry, darling. Oh, God. Don't worry, darling. Darling, darling. Um... Yeah, no, come on, guys. Let's. I've seen some of you out there saying it's one of the worst films you've ever seen. Don't fucking lie to yourself. It's messy. It it's has messy. It's issues. Let, and you know, Harry Styles is as bad as everyone has said he is. That's true. That That's, is absolutely that is true. His performance truth is awful. But our girl Florence Pugh delivers a phenomenal performance. It looks amazing. It's entertaining. Uh, great soundtrack. Speaking of memorable soundtracks, this is a really fucking good score and some great jukebox soundtrack in there as well. Yeah, it, it's yeah. fun. It's yeah. just entertaining. It, it's, it's it's fine. It, I mean... It's a mess, but it's enter- It's a hot mess. Yeah, Florence Pugh has had to visit the chiropractor <laughs> because she, had, she carried this film. Let's make it very she clear. She did, she did. The, there are other aspects of the film that are good. Yeah. But she is by far the best thing. She is. And without her, the film would have failed. Yeah. And I fully no, believe yeah. that. No, I agree. I fully believe I that. If, you know, if it was someone else who didn't give such a... You know, and there are loads of capable actresses out mm-hmm. there who would make a good, great performance. But I think Florence Pugh was so good in mm. the role that it carried yeah. the film. And, yeah. it, and it had to, really, because she... 
She's in every scene, isn't she? She is. And, you know, some things that happen in the film make absolutely zero sense, but I was still so enthralled just because of how good her performance was. Like, she could have done anything, but, you know, she could have just started fucking skipping and singing, I don't know. But because she was so dedicated to this role and she really believed what she was doing, it was just so... It was great to watch it's yeah. because of her. She has an incredible likability. She does. Yeah. Um, and I think that transcends the yes queen mm-hmm. gaze as well. It does. I, it I does. think everyone, a bit like Dwayne Johnson, everyone likes her. And yeah. she has that charisma and likability. And yeah. I think she'll go very far. It's just this. This film maybe wasn't the best for this. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's this month's original versus remake episode done. Next month, I'll tell you very shortly because I'll give you the whole schedule for October. Um, so if uh, if you like the Amsterdam horror films or anything else we've discussed today, we're on social media: Horrorcult Trash Over on Facebook and Instagram, Horrorcult Trash on Twitter. I'm Delek Gaz ninety two on Letterbox, Gazmo two hundred five on Instagram, and Gaz Chris ninety two on Twitter. I am Chris Barker 823 on Letterboxd and Instagram. And give us a rate review and subscribe on iTunes, like and follow on everything else. And I'm going to emphasise that this episode because, like, we have, um, you know, we, we know how many people listen to us and whatnot. Uh, there's a big portion not subscribed. Oh. Just click a button, guys. Just click a button. If you're going to keep coming back and listen to every episode, just, just subscribe. Yeah, we... Um... I can only speak for myself, not just for, uh, for me and Gary. Um, but yeah, we um, we don't want to sound too beggy. <laughs> <laughs> Scrambled begs over no, here. That'll be when we ask to uh, buy our merch. But we on actually, We actually made an effort to look at stats recently. <laughs> After how many years? I always look at stats. Oh, do you? Yeah. Well, I I actually asked the question. Specific stats, though. I I asked the question. What's our stats? Uh, and uh, yeah, there's the people who listen, but they're not subscribed. And I I'm not sure how much. That but apparently, regular listeners who are means. not subscribed. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't do it or don't do it. Just yeah, keep listening. Just, that's just that's the listening. main thing. That's the yeah. main thing. But if you want to, then it, it would make, satisfy us. It would make more. life easier for you if you did. Yeah, because. You know, maybe one time we'd like to throw an episode out there on a Friday afternoon and you won't know if you're not subscribed. Exactly. <laughs> Anyways, so Tuesday <laughs> is the start of Halloween classic season. Oh. And this year we are bringing you Onibaba next week and then The Exorcist and then Killer Clowns from Outer Space. And then audition, followed by original versus remake for the Blob. Ooh, and a Halloween bonus episode that you've been waiting an entire year for. We'll be discussing Halloween ends. Yes, which we can't say anything about right now because we don't know what it's going to be. We like. don't know what it's <laughs> going to be. Like. We haven't, you know, if anyone's got like a little sneak preview. No, actually don't. No, no. Legal. Please, please do Legal. not give us spoilers. Legal. Thank you very no, much. don't give us. Oh yeah, no. People have watched it, haven't they? Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Those 
bit of fuss and bother, weren't there? Was, there was. Oh, but yeah, yeah, so that is our schedule for our jam-packed Halloween classic season. And of but, course, there will be a BFI London Film Festival episode thrown in there somewhere as well. Fucking hell, that's a lot, isn't it? Yeah, well, people like her voices, what can I say? Um, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Why am I the self-deprecating one? I know, yeah. Why <laughs> but again, that's <laughs> our schedule. <laughs> Grab your Halloween snacks. Turn off the lights and listen to our voices if you really want to be scared. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, we love this time of year and we cannot wait to, I'm sure speaking for both of us, we cannot wait to discuss these films. Yeah, and hopefully our outros will be much better for Halloween. Yes. <laughs> we will see you same time, same place on Tuesday. Bye. Bye.